On today's episode, Caitlin and I sat down to talk about the most wonderful time of the year, climbing season. And while getting outdoors to climb is one of life's greatest joys, it can also be more stressful than it needs to be without some proper planning. So today we're diving into our top tips for transitioning to outdoor climbing season. Get ready to get stoked. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. Lauren, I have been waiting four months to tell you this historically important fact. Are you proposing to me? (laughs) In a sense. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. What are you telling me? All right. Out with it, woman. (laughs) In a sense, I'm proposing a preposterous um, marriage of strange behaviors. So that was good. She's smooth, y'all. All All right, (laughs) let's go. Woman of words. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Okay. So Darwin, thoughts? Knowledge tips about him. Any? <laughs> Let's see. Um, what do you character know? on that one Nickelodeon show? I think <laughs> that was good. I like that. Big on that show. A lot. The Wild Thornberries. Yeah. Frick yeah. Big the fan. khakis. Nothing. No one wears khaki like them. Okay. Well, I've derailed this enough. Tell me about. Uh, I believe you're referring to Charles Darwin. I yeah. sure am. I sure am. So. We all know, you know, he spent some time in the Galapagos yes. and he he discovered a lot of species that we did not know about before. Yes. Right. So what we don't know is that he used to have a club <gasps> called the Glutton Club. What? So in this club at Cambridge he would bring the animals that he discovered and he and his students would then eat those animals. After they were dead or like... Yeah, yep. And uh, the the goal was devoted... They were all devoted to devouring birds and beasts which were before unknown to human palate. I am speechless. And... They also would drink their bladder contents. What? And it was described as fluid that was quite limpid and had only a very slightly bitter taste. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Not only do you, you know, naturally, you you find these animals and you're like, wow, beautiful. We we should eat these. Let's eat them. What? Maybe that was the whole premise of why he was there. Like, I want to eat me some unique food. Oh my God, go to a restaurant. And people say TV's <laughs> bad. People are like, TV's bad. And I'm like, you know what wouldn't have happened if like Charles Darwin had some Netflix? This. Maybe they would have just watched a show. But instead, bladders. Yeah, it's shocking. So anyway, with that. I don't know. <laughs> do yeah. I'm going to be out of sorts for the rest of the episode. I'm a little nauseous. Yeah, so me with megafauna and you with the glutton club. Bad combo. Yep. Really bad eggs. I hate bad eggs. I bet he ate weird bird eggs. I absolutely believe it. And turtle eggs. Galapagos (laughs) turtle eggs. Okay, and... Well, that that's the show for today, everyone. We're go- <laughs> goodbye. I'm See gonna you go later. vomit, and we're going home now. <laughs> Just kidding. What are we? Okay. Well, now now it's my turn to smoothly transition into what we're actually talking about. But before we do that, 
we are going to introduce who we are. So, hi, I am Lauren. I am a certified personal trainer and climbing coach behind Good Spray Coaching. And I am Caitlin, and I am a certified nutrition specialist who works with climbers and athletes here to help support your ambitious, nutritious goals. Ambitious, nutritious goals. Okay. <laughs> so, yep, we're super professional, and now we are going <laughs> to talk to you. Um, we're so today, today I'm really excited because, well, as we're recording this, it is what is it, March 16th, and spring is gonna sprung soon. And I'm so excited to get back to outdoor climbing more. Um, climbing outside, super fun. And with getting back going from you know the gym back to outdoor climbing, kind of comes a few, you know, it's a transition period, right? Whether it's your first time getting outside for the season or you know, it is your, you've done it a bunch of times, but you're still going from the gym to outside after a few months of being indoors. Um, so today we're going to give you our top eight tips for transitioning to outdoor climbing season. Uh, four will be like training and climbing related and the other four will be nutrition related. And we're going to rip on through them and you're going to leave this episode ready to get outside and smash some rocks. So Lauren, can you describe the difference between an indoor season and an outdoor season. I know it may seem kind of obvious, but yeah, what are, you know, why are we even talking about this? Why is there a transition? That's a good point. And I think like, it really depends on where you live. Right. And also how much you do get out. So for some athletes where you live, you can kind of get outside all year round. Um, but obviously some seasons are going to be a little bit better. They're going to have better weather, maybe be a little more dry um, or more of an appropriate temperature for climbing. But you really can get out a lot of the year. We're in the United States. Obviously, if you can't tell by our cool accents that don't exist. Yeah. So we're in the U.S. where whatever. I, we're actually presently in Salt Lake City and you really can kind of find a way to get outside all year round. But I would say like your outdoor climbing season would be the time of year that you are prioritizing your outdoor climbing um, and getting out more than you usually are. And what that looks like for you is going to really depend on your location and how much you can get outside. Um, then obviously your indoor season is where you're maybe mainly climbing indoors and not getting outside as much as you do during outdoor season. I think that's probably the simplest way to put it nice. involving okay. all of the <laughs> different variables that could impact how much you do climb outside. So cool. So yeah. I guess follow up question. Yes. <laughs> Because for me, I I often feel like, like you said, I will climb outside most of the year and, I, you know, it's it, it ends up being like maybe part of my season will be dedicated to more training. And then when I really quote transition to outside, it's because I have a project in mind or it's, you know, the, the perfect time frame to actually be yeah. outside. So do you think you can have like multiple outdoor, indoor transitions during the year? I would say most people like to give you kind of the average, <laughs> ha, look <laughs> at that. The average sort of like training schedule. And it really depends. Also, like I'm coming with a perspective of mostly being a sport climber. Um, so I know some of y'all are like, we boulder in the winter. Caitlin's probably like, we boulder in the winter. I Me? ski in the winter. So my example will be colored by that, of course. But essentially, like usually what a lot of athletes will do is that winter will be a more of a training oriented season. Spring will be a 
getting outside climbing type thing. Summer um, could be a training season, but that's also can be convoluted by the fact that there are a lot of places in the U S that are the best climbing season is the summer, but this is just an example. So you kind of want, you might alternate back and forth like two, like, you know, you might have two main seasons that are more dedicated to training and two that are dedicated to outdoor climbing. Another, Mm. excuse me, caveat that I have here is that if you're super new to outdoor climbing, like my message to you, if you want to get good at it is don't worry too much about having a training or performance season. Um, just get out as much as you can because there's so much that you just need to learn to deal with about outdoor climbing as you get used to it. So I would just say, like, it doesn't matter the weather. Like, get outside. Like, I remember when I was learning to sport climb in the Red River Gorge, like, I would just make my friends go in the summertime because we were super new to outdoor climbing. And I was like, we're not good enough to need it to be cold. <laughs> like, the holds are huge. It's sandstone, and we just need to get some reps under us. So that's the caveat there is that if you aren't, you know, more of a seasoned outdoor climber that has like maybe more specific performance objectives, just get outside and don't like, just kind of go la 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 when I talk about like training and performance season. But if you're a more seasoned athlete and you do have goals and you know, you've been around the block a little bit, that sort of applies. So maybe it's like, if your transition could honestly just be the weather got better, period. Yes. End of story. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, well, we'll get into the nitty gritty details as we rip down our tips. But do you want to start with your number four tip for we're work? So we're going to today in this episode, we're going to work from our what we deem is the least important tip to the most important. They're all important, but we're we're going to work our way up to our our piece de resistance, if you will. So do you want to start with your number four? I I definitely can. But I, here's what I, I'm going to say about my tips. I would say they're more considerations because as you transition from indoor to outdoor, these are things that I really heavily think that you should be thinking about everyone, not just yes. Lauren. <laughs> I'm staring <laughs> you. deep into her eyes. Lauren, only Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Sweet. But I can I can kind of start with uh, something that is a really general consideration that is important, but possibly less than the, the specificity of some of the other things I'll mention. So Lauren, I will start this off by asking you a question. Mm. What do you think are important considerations in terms of being outside versus inside? Like, why is that different? Ooh, okay. This is a huge question, but in terms of, okay, I'll talk about it in terms of, well, there's like a lot of things. So one of them is like risk. Um, So essentially there's a lot of, like, you might get comfortable, like, falling off high on the bouldering wall inside or like taking, you know, bigger falls on ropes indoors. But there's kind of this like, you know, like it's a little like the whole gym environment's a lot more controlled. So it's a lot safer. So there's definitely like the mental aspect of kind of like getting used to the different like increased risks of outdoor climbing. So that's one thing. Um, another thing I think that's pretty different. I'll, I'll go with three. There's a lot of differences. But the next thing that's pretty different is that like in outdoor climbing, you have a lot more options for the way you do the climbs, right? So when you're climbing indoors, everything's spelled out with you with like colored holds or tape. Um, and essentially, you know, which holds you're likely going to use. But when you go outside, you have a lot more options. And you know, whether you've climbed outside a lot, or you haven't, uh, getting your brain back in tune with the route reading is a pretty different thing. And like, you know, we talked a little bit about skill acquisition before, right? So when we aren't using a certain skill, such as reading routes outside, that skill is going to atrophy in our brains a little bit, and it's we're going to have to bring it back, right? So we're going to have to remind ourselves how to do it. So that's another thing. Third thing I think is huge is feet. Uh, I just This really jumps out at me, especially if you're climbing something that's more slippery. There's just climbing gyms have really large feet, and 
it seems to be getting better. I'm starting to see some really like nice tiny foot chips in my gym, but a lot of times the feet outdoors are just so much smaller than the feet indoors. And I think that's another big difference that you're going to encounter when you go outside. And these are all things that we can kind of like train for and plan for in the gym. But at the end of the day, sometimes the best practice for outdoor climbing is going climbing outside. I'm going to add to your list because Mm. this goes very well into my, my considerations here. Uh, how often are you hiking to the gym? Oh, didn't even think about that. That's because I am a lazy bitch and I like my projects with <laughs> on the shorter approach. Some people are like, I want to go on a big adventure. I want to be in this oh, far no off crag. Ethics. And I'm like, I like it when I can see my project from the parking lot. And I also can see the nice little bathroom thingy that they've built. I want because to I like my to crash pad. Out of my car, yep. onto the climb. Gently, of course, not to disturb the ecological area. <laughs> <Yes>. But so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's, a, a I didn't super. Think about that. Yes. Yeah, right. It's an important consideration <laughs> because <laughs> your energy requirements will obviously and inevitably be so different and greater if you have to actually hike and haul all your shit to the ground. Yes. Oh so, my god. Also, you know, as an, uh, another aside, you have a couple other considerations too. It's like the intensity of your day. Mm-hmm. Is it a projecting day? Is it a mileage day? Yeah. Are you hiking uphill multiple times to get to different areas and then you have to hike out? Are you cold? Are you cold? Uh, how long do you plan to be out? Because mm. the gym is probably not going to be as long as like an eight hour day out. Totally. So, when you think about your nutrition, all of those things kind of spell out more energy requirements and also having to be aware of what to plan for. So that's that's my first consideration in my list. Wow, that's a really good consideration. I'm like, I'm calling it tips. Caitlin's like, considerations. Well, it's because I can't say make considerations as a tip. That's, that's fair. Boring. Dear everyone, deal with our semantics today. <laughs> All right. No, that's a great tip. I didn't even think about that. But yes, it totally matters because if you're like, I have my nutrition for my training days totally dialed. And it's like, well, the walk to your car is like a big difference than, you know, a 30 minute hike with a rope on your back. So Or a pad. Or a pad. Stuff with a bunch of snacks. Yard hopefully. sale items that I generally <laughs> will strew across the field <laughs> of boulders. <laughs> like we could do a good bonus episode that's like, what's in your crag bag? Because my bag looks like I am going to Siberia because I am an, I am an overpacker. <laughs> I like to have a lot of layers. I like to have a lot of snacks. Yeah. Mid-summer. My books are always big and I should get a Kindle. An aside. I bring my Kindle and a book. That's how Whoa. obnoxious I am. And how often do I read at the crag? Zero percent of the time. So mm. that's jokes on me. But at least I bring it. So the thoughts there. I bring <laughs> a blanket. I bring a chair. I bring a puffy even when it's 80 degrees. Yep, the shade. You don't know when it's going to be shady or God forbid windy. Yeah, I I camel up and I just bring it all. Yep. Yep. All right, Lauren, what's what's your fourth least important tip, if you will? I'm, yes, I mean, I feel like I got to stop saying that. To be They're honest. Important. Yeah, I'm like, these are all important. Children. You're crazy. Yeah. But okay. Well, <laughs> my, my tip number four on my list, um, and I still think this one's pretty darn important, honestly, but okay. So this is my tip. Look at how much time you want to spend outside and decide what you want to learn from your climbing season. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like my square one. Um, I'm really big on kind of this like growth mindset learner's approach to rock climbing. And although I think it's beautiful to be like, I want to send this and this and this rock climb, like I think that's rad. But if you can like take that one step back and go, what do I want to get better at this season? And if you kind of have this more learning based goal, like start there. And then obviously you're going to go, okay, I want to get better at like X and Y skill, or I want to get better at like mentally handling run out stuff. Sweet. So then you can go, okay, I'm going to get outside six times between the three weekends. I can go out like I'll have six days. What can I do in that amount of time? That's going to get me to this goal. And I think that's a nice way to approach it because then, yeah, I just like it that way. (laughs) Caitlin, what do you think about that? Like, have you ever approached climbing? like setting up your season that way or kind of thought about it like that? Yeah, I th- I think I have just because my other half partner, he he gen well, yeah, generally I think has those seasons that that he wants to get outside when the mm-hmm. weather is like really, really ideal yep. for him. And I think that I naturally just base my seasons on that because it's more fun to epic with each other because type two fun alone is And also, you're not just going to drive by yourself. I mean, you might, but... I just refuse, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I definitely think that what I don't consider now is thinking about what I want to learn from my climbing season. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like, what do I want to send? What do Mm -hmm. I want to accomplish? Rather than like, what can I take away as like, oh, I, instead of, I didn't send anything this season. It's like, oh, I really learned some extra moves. I learned better technique and I really dialed in my beta. I I think that that's a really important tip as we go outside, just because that's, I think that sets the expectation a little bit more effectively. Yeah. And I think it sets you up to not be like, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that seasons where I'm just like, somehow I didn't send shit and I feel bad cause I trained a lot and now I'm making it a song cause it makes me sad. Um, but <laughs> like, you know, like if you kind of are like, well, I wanted to learn this. Like if you're like, I want to learn to get better at slab climbing. So I'm going to try to send this and like also, uh, all right, y'all, I need to work yeah, on my slab climbing. But, uh, no. Sorry, slab climbers. Y'all are awesome. You're doing great, but whoa. Um, anyways, so like, let's say that's your goal. And then you pick out like a, a difficult slab climb that you kind of work on on a weekly basis and maybe you spend five sessions on it. There's no way you're going to spend five sessions on a slab climb and not learn how to climb slab better. You might not send it, but if goal part one was learn to do this better and goal part two was send the thing, like you can at least leave your season going, I learned a skill that's going to help me later and I can go back and do it better next time. So I think it sets you up to just be less mad and also over the course of your climbing career if you're looking at the skills you want to build you're going to naturally like learn more things and just become a more well-rounded um climber and probably set and I think it also helps other benefit is that if you don't get to get outside a lot you know sometimes you can do everything right and it's like the day you were going to send there's a random rainstorm you can't get on the climb so there's a lot of these outcomes that you cannot control when it comes to outdoor climbing and so if your only goal is send related and you don't do it because of things outside of your control that's like really frustrating so if you can acknowledge that you like learned something and have you know learning be at the forefront of your mind when you set up your season that's going to help hopefully help you be like a little less pissed if things go wrong fuck those acts of goddess yeah oh Yes, the Beyonce in the sky is sending <laughs> rain. <laughs> I really like that, though. I think that's such a practical tactic 
and a really great way to approach the season. And I learned something today. Ooh. So if that's your least important, Lauren. Yeah, I'm coming with super hot fire today, team. <laughs> like, we're going in. I so love it. <laughs> Sweet. Well, my next one, I would say, like I said, a consideration because it is not my goal to push push you into better habits. I just... It's mine, though. Hope that Do it's it. in mind um, uh, a tactic of uh, hypnosis. Do the habit. <laughs> <laughs> Do the consideration. Do the consideration. Consider it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I actually would argue that this is not like I said it's not a, a least versus most important <laughs> but another thing that's that is genuine generally and genuinely very very important is water so <laughs> it seems kind of like oh yeah I bring water to the crag along with my beers and all my other stuff in my yard sale backpack and it's you're probably like, yeah, okay, no big deal. But do you actually know how much water to drink? No. When you're and we talked about it in my nutrition <laughs> consult. And the answer is, again, no. I should take notes. Shit. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of, like, rules of thumb, if you will. but And it gets a little bit frustrating. But generally what I recommend is aim to bring at least a cup of water each hour you plan to be out. And that's honestly not very much. And how this, many cups are in a Nalgene bottle? Uh, four. Yeah. Four, 32 ounces, four cups. 30, yep. Yeah. Well, you know what? Stop staring at my engineering degree audience. We did everything in metric. You know, what? engineering, <laughs> you don't have to know these water measure volumes. Right. Leave me alone. Anyway, <laughs> All right, for an analogy, so that's what it is. Okay, so, so if you're going to be out all day, you need two analgenes. Yeah, and I would actually argue that, like, for most people, two to three analgenes minimum a day is oh what you God. should aim for. But three? That's yes. so heavy. Whose pack well, fits that? That's this is over the course of the whole day. So, okay. like, maybe, yeah, you bring two I bring a huge uh, growler size hydro flask, which is so heavy, but Whoa. it's worth Whoa. worth it because it that sounds so it's bulletproof. <laughs> but you may also want to consider bringing more and possibly hydration mixes because mm. if you are sweating a lot, if it's hot, humid, and sunny, you you're gonna than... need more. Oh, yeah, God. you're gonna need more water and. I had another thought about this too. Uh, Whoa. Okay. So two to th so two to three thirty-two ounce Nalgene's. Obviously, we are aware there are bigger Nalgene's than that. But so that's eight-hour day of climbing. Two to three Nalgene's, maybe more if it's super hot. Yeah, and if you so this happened to me a couple weeks ago where I was outside and I was like, wow, I've peed one whole time since I arrived here. Whoa. And it's been six hours. So that's a, you know, for big indicator. Hey, How many times should you pee in a day? Everyone's different. I don't think there's a quota. like a four cups per hour. No, <laughs> but a good way to honestly tell if you're not drinking enough is, I mean, I, I'm sure when you're outside, you're not like, wow, it's really yellow on these leaves. But if you 
do go to the bathroom and you notice that your urine is yellow and smells kind of strong, you likely have not had enough. So we're aiming for clear or uh, not, excuse me, not clear. That's overhydrated, but pale yellow, pale yellow, pale yellow, pastel. Yeah. For Easter. There you go. Mellow yep. with the pale yellow. So wow. that's that. That's really hard to tell on a leaf though, to Caitlin's point. So I think you're going to have to operate by also leave no trace. Pay attention to watersheds. Follow the rules when you're outside when it comes to peeing. But that's such a good point. That is way more water than I think I've ever brought. Yeah. I've usually done like, I've probably usually done two. And then if it's super hot outside, I still do two. And then I just feel bad. It's, (laughs) yeah. And it's important to make sure you do space it out. But the other thing is too, if you're like going to start going outside and it's a little chilly and you're like, well, I don't want to drink water because I'll get cold. Bring a thermos of hot water totally. so you keep your, your core temp warm. And also bring tea so that you can have tea at the crag. And coffee. And coffee. Does your coffee in the morning... I think I've asked you this before, but I always want to know, again, just to be reaffirmed, does your coffee in the morning count as water? So... I feel like this is a hot debate. I've gone on... The, I think I've spent too much time on the internet looking into this. Yeah, the internet has a lot to say a about this. A lot to say. So the thing that I'll say about coffee is that coffee, tea, juice, all of those things do count as fluids, and they can count towards your overall fluids for the day. However, it does not mean that you should only exclusively have coffee and that that's going to be the most hydrating. Mm. Water is definitely going to be the best option for that. But if you have coffee in addition to water, I I definitely think that it it can be counted towards that. Um, The diuretic effect is pretty minimal if you have you know, like a cup or two, Got it. but once you go above that, that's when I would expect it to start going on the other side of that, that effect. Cool. Okay. Got it. Bring 48 ounces of coffee to the crag. <laughs> that's what Caitlin said. <laughs> okay. All, la 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 counts as water. We're good. <laughs> well, that's not a consideration. That's, that's n- not what she said. Okay. That's great. All right. Sweet. What's next? All right. She's like, shut the fuck up Lauren. <laughs> oh my god so taking my words and twisting okay. them <laughs> that's caitlin out of context welcome to the average climber podcast <laughs> all right all right all right here's my um number tip my next tip tip um okay why did i say it like that oh my god it's late when we're recording this we're getting a little loopy but we're still gonna bring you the good information okay so my next tip is change your training accordingly. So we kind of touched on this in the beginning um, of the show. And again, reminder, if you're newer to outdoor climbing or you're like newer to training or whatever, uh, you can probably just kind of put a pin in this for later. But if you are at a place in your climbing where you do have the complexity of doing a training cycle and then going outside to flex on the rocks, this is important. So a couple things that I want you to keep in mind when changing up your training to go outside. One is that this is so it's kind of like this idea of do indoors what you are not doing outdoors. There are quite a few ways to structure your indoor outdoor situation, but I'll just kind of give you a little example. So let's say you're a sport climber and you're going outdoors on the weekends and you're climbing rock climbs. You're probably working on your like endurance outside by virtue of doing roots. So that could mean that in the gym, you're focused on keeping your power up and your strength up. So that's going to look like 
doing hard boulders in the gym and maybe doing a little bit of like maintenance strength training and hangboarding. So you can do a little bit of that and then your endurance and power endurance could be happening outdoors on a weekend. So that's one way to operate. Um, there's definitely a lot of ways to do this depending on if you're still trying to like elicit adaptations. But so that's one thing. Do do indoors what you're not doing outdoors. And then the second thing, oh, actually, let me stop. Caitlin, do you have any questions about that? Any I actually there? do. I'm Sweet. really glad that you could feel me just staring at like, you. Like, wait, excuse me. I was like, oh, I'm about to rip question. through this way too fast. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what your questions are. So if I, if I had the plan to still want to train, build adaptations, and I'm also still pushing it hard outside, mm-hmm. is it important to dial back my training oh, so that perfect. I can focus that's like, good. Were you already going to say that this? That was the and I'm point I was trying in. to make. And then I forgot <laughs> that that was the point I was trying okay, to well, make Okay. Well, if you let me so... ask my questions, oh my God, I'd be sorry. a perfect segue for sorry. you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, segue. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's also thing number two I want you to remember about changing your, we could do literally like a whole two episodes about maintenance training, but other big thing to remember when outdoor climbing and performing outdoors becomes your priority, don't destroy yourself in the gym if you want to climb hard outside. Like you cannot, also if you haven't been training, you cannot <laughs> be trying to send something in two weeks and cram your train. Like two two weeks is not enough time <laughs> to train for whatever you wanted to do. I'm sorry. You cannot, that's not how it works. So don't try to like, cram your training in so that you can like send something two or three weeks from now like not not really the way things work so I would say the goal like if you're gonna try to perform outside make sure you have some rest days like really what you want to be doing is maintaining adaptations in the gym so you're probably going to be doing like overall less training volume um, with about the same intensity is kind of like the general rule of thumb but yes the big point is You are now trying to perform outside, so you should not be breaking down your body in your gym sessions. You should be, you're not going to, if you're trying to send something in the next month, your focus is now on outdoor climbing. Let that be the focus and don't wreck yourself in the gym at the expense of your ability to climb well outdoors. Follow-up question. Yes. If I'm going on a two-week climbing trip. Love it. Keep going. Should I stop training? Mm, If you're going, yeah. I would say, like, it depends. Like, if you're going on a two-week climb, like, yeah, I could just devil's advocate myself to death here, but there's there's always caveats and like it depends is is the best totally. Times. Like, okay. Let's if so are you have you trained for this two week climbing trip and now this is like your kind of like main objective that you've been preparing for? My hypothetical trip would be the trip I'm I'm yes, training for so that I can like kinda tick off some of the projects on my list. Yeah. I would say don't even worry about training. Like don't, don't do it. Don't, don't. Mm. Okay. Bring, yeah. Just if you're, if that's the objective you're preparing for, like just get in there and go climb outside. Cool. I, that makes a lot of sense actually. Sweet. Do should we try to do another? Okay. Let's say it's not actually the objective that you're training for. What? Yeah. Why? Why bother? Yeah. I'm like, first of all, that's cool that you're going on a two week trip that you like don't care about that much to prepare for. So that's rad. Uh, you're having yeah. a good time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds great. Cool. Uh, shout out Mike going to Cabo. Anyway, yeah. Cool. Cool. So. Okay. So I would say, let's say you're going on a trip that you're like, is not your main objective, but you want to be like, maybe you're just 
I don't know what's up, but let's say this is happening and it's not your main objective. And like, you know, a month later you might be somewhere else. You could train, like, I'm not going to tell you to, it's hard to say. I really, I'm always just kind of on team, like just go rock climbing. But if, you know, if you're like in the middle of a training cycle where you're trying to build strength or something and like, you know, whatever it may be, like you could bring your flashboard and kind of create some kind of like modified strength training session to oh flashboard is like a portable hangboard portable hangboard um but i just have a flashboard that is shout out tension um but yes so you could bring that and kind of get that done like one thing i will note especially if you're like not climbing on stuff that's like super fingery like if you remember our bodies don't like big change right so if you've been like hangboarding consistently twice a week and then all of a sudden you stop doing it for two weeks and you're not climbing on like super fingery stuff and stimulating your fingers in that way and then you go back to hangboarding like there could be a slight difference or that could be like a chance for injury just because you just had this big swing and like type and intensity of your activity so I would say like maybe if you're going on a trip for two weeks like and you are still planning on continuing to train and get right back into the swing of training like maybe do a little bit of that just so that it's not a total shock to your system when you get back into the gym but that's you could debate that uh depending on you know what's up but I think those are that's probably the most obscure example that I could come up with with this scenario but I think Caitlin's questions totally apply but yeah so that's that's my tip change your training accordingly when you are switching from you know training season to outdoor performance season I love it well consider this how about a break a break a break indeed some jokes for you Lauren and they are about training so you ready for this I'm excited so right now Caitlin has found some good jokes on the internet and then I am going to try to turn them into applicable advice I I don't know what these jokes are this is all completely off the cuff I'm I'm a little nervous but I, I think I'll be somewhat (laughs) helpful I don't know these are curated for Lauren so keep that in mind uh so yeah we're we're gonna make her spin some gold out of this comedy gold yep I'm ready all right the jokes number one why did Luke Skywalker struggle with his training at the beginning I don't I don't know because he tried to force it. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Well, when you start training, it's always very important. <laughs> Fuck, this is hard. I really like okay. that you're weaving this. <laughs> um. So at the beginning of your training, it's important to acknowledge that there will be days of low motivation. So you really want to, you will be forcing yourself at some points in time, but you also want to acknowledge that some days you won't want to do things, but you will need to do them anyway. I fucking did it. Give me the next one. You sure <laughs> did. I love it. Okay, <laughs> next one. After an intense workout, what does a T-Rex say? Oh, I love There's a dinosaur. Okay. What I do- curated for you, like I, I said. I don't know. I finally feel like a dinosaur. <laughs> that was so bad. I know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, 
Well, I, I don't have any advice, but I do have a fun fact is that baby T-Rexes look like little chickens and they get, they get big very fast. Um, the rate at which T-Rexes grow is genuinely insane. You should look it up. It's crazy. I don't have any training advice. As an aside, I have never once thought about a baby T-Rex ever in my life. They look like little chickens and they're kind of cute. And then they get really big in a big hurry. I think at one point they... Never mind. I'm going to have to... We're going to circle back podcast, to this as a fun fact. Natural but, history yeah. by Lauren. Yes. Uh, we're going to... My okay. okay, unrelated. Mike won't go to Dino Fest with me. If anyone wants to go <laughs> to Dino Fest in Salt Lake City with me, <laughs> he won't go. And it's my fucking birthday weekend, and I want to listen to keynote speakers talk about dinosaurs. Okay, I'm sorry, I've really derailed this, but best for last. But if anyone sees me at Dino Fest, I might be there alone. Josh might go. Josh, will you go? You're on. You're on record now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got a buddy. All right. Excellent. Sick. Sick. Okay. Well, best for last. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. (laughs) What is a ghost's favorite workout? Oh my God. You did such a good job. I I don't know. know. A deadlift. No tips there, just giggles. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's really funny. I'm crying. Okay. I mean, the bar was low. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk. So I talked. <laughs> this is great because I talked a lot about deadlifting earlier today. So I'm in a good place to speak about this. Deadlifting is a hip hinging exercise <laughs> in which you hinge your hips and it's very (laughs) applicable in a lot it's definitely one of the basic movements of athleticism it's applicable in many sports climbing included get your hip hinging done guys you do it on the wall you do it off the wall hinge your hips get (laughs) ghosting there we go kettlebell swings are a really fun hip hinging exercise all right all right let's get back to oh hell yeah yeah let's do it wow look at that all right and we're back to telling you useful information (laughs) And we're back to being vaguely helpful. So, Caitlin, what's your what's your next tip? So, my next consideration is... Fuck you. Just kidding. <laughs> this is a war. <laughs> Semantics war. Anyway, uh, very general, but it's what to bring with you in terms of nutrition or your your foods, your calories to the crag. So when you go to the crag, there are a couple of things. I know we talked about consideration and how long you plan to be out, how mm-hmm. intense you, you plan to go, but yep. I definitely suggest bringing at least one solid meal that includes all of your macros, carbs, protein, and fats. And this is of course, you know, intended to be your lunch, if you want to call it by its name. Yes. But also, you want to bring at least one snack for every hour that you plan to be out. And when this changes and looks a little bit different is based on the type of day you're going to have. Mm-hmm. So 
I would say like, let's, let's give an example. If you're going to be sport climbing for six hours, you want to make sure you spend time in the middle of that, giving yourself the option to have a lunch, but also give yourself time to snack every hour. So say you bring six snacks Mm -hmm. and then you also bring that lunch. Yep. So you may not eat all of your snacks, but at least it's a reminder. Yeah. What does a snack like look like? Like what would you count as a snack? Um, so a snack is something that I would say you can have quickly in between burns. So that will look differently for everybody, but I would say probably in the ballpark of like, I don't know. Like, would you count? Okay. Let's say like, yeah, I feel like that's hard. Well, yeah, it could Mm. be for some people you might be like, okay, I'm going to have a couple gummies. And then another person might be like, I'm going to have a couple like pieces of dried mango. Someone else might Mm -hmm. like crackers or a cookie or something. Yeah. If you see what I'm getting at, it's a lot of Maybe I feel like the way to like operate with this is like everyone's going to have different caloric needs. And also your, what you're going to need per day is going to depend on like what your day is like. So maybe like just start experimenting with like snacks per hour and then maybe you'll find that you brought too big of snacks or too small of snacks and you can Mm -hmm. probably like temper yourself from there we would love to be able to give specific advice to every single person but there's at least a thousand of you out there listening to us talk about dinosaurs so we can't do that but we could with the specifics like calculations only go so far you know Mm -hmm. so the body really doesn't run on math that's it just doesn't No, and I think it's important to remember too that you know you need to try a couple different things and you might some days want one thing another day something else so actually with that I have a couple couple examples here so with sport and bouldering days with rests in between burns and no hiking, Mm -hmm. probably still, you know, one snack for every hour, at least one meal Mm -hmm. and generally keep your snacks pretty carb heavy, but they can also be, uh, protein as well. Yep. But if you are sport climbing or bouldering with hiking, you want to do the above, but also bring an additional one or two snacks just to accommodate that extra energy expenditure. Yeah. And the final one to add on to that is if you're doing big walls or multi-pitch, things like that that are potentially low and slow, maybe not your highest output day, but let's call it like a mileage, like still still pretty like enduro fest, yep. maybe some power moves. Then if in that moment, because I've had a lot of athletes mention this to me, that they really struggle to stop and eat because mm-hmm. you're kind of trying to just go through it and keep pushing through. So while it may not be realistic to stop and eat, try if you can, even if you're not sitting down for an hour or hanging for an hour and trying to eat something to digest it then. But if you can have bites of it, you can have pieces of it, um, or just try and snack all day when you can and just kind of consistently be refueling. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you have any any add-ons or thoughts Um, About five minutes ago when I asked you what is a snack, uh, for a long time (laughs) I held it in and I was about to be like, Caitlin's a snack. (laughs) Now that Lizzo lyric that goes, no, I'm not a snack at all. Yeah, baby, I'm the whole damn meal is completely stuck in my head and I I have nothing helpful to add, but I did want to tell you how I have been containing myself while you've been helpful. So Whole meal. (laughs) Or a a meal of snacks, if you will. That's this room right now. So. There I just go. have chaos squirrels running around in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mess. 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, on that note, I love that your your third tip here is, I think, a tangential to the chaos squirrels. <laughs> Great. Yes. Okay. So my next my next tip, um, <clears throat> and if y'all like to go with the flow, you might get frustrated with me. But I will I will say it um, because I think it's important. So be just like a little detail oriented with your climbing days. And if you have a lot of time to climb outside, like you can maybe not care as much. But if you're like I used to be where climbing outside was kind of a hot commodity and you didn't get to do it a lot, being a little bit more detail oriented about what's going on is really wise. So just some things to keep in mind that will help you maybe just have a more efficient day of rock climbing. Um, something like crowds. So if something is super classic and like a very popular route on a Saturday, you might be waiting in line a lot and that might annoy you. So just keep that in mind. Like think about what you're doing and what the crowd situation is going to be like. Um, look at weather uh, and when the sun will be on things. So leverage mountain project, Facebook groups, what have you to figure out if what you're going to be climbing will be actually in good conditions when you're getting on it. Um, and then also think about your approaches when picking out projects or stuff you want to go back to a lot. If you can only get on climbs on the weekends and the approach is an hour in and an hour out, like, are you going to be expending burn? Like, could you pick something that's closer or something so you can get more burns on it? Just like look at your time and just think about a couple of little things. And even if you're like 10% more mindful about these little details, you might find that you can like get on more rock climbs or just get to climb more. So the devil is not in the details. The I don't devil know. the details are very important. The details <laughs> are important. Yes. And just like use you have you have the internet. Mountain project exists. We're not passing around weird PDFs and, and a lot of uh guidebooks have sun orientation in them now yeah. a lot. Yeah. There's just a lot of resources. Like you might not, it depends on where you're going. You might not have everything, but if you can just do like a little bit of research ahead of time and like have some ideas going into your weekend, you will probably save yourself a lot of time and get to rock climb more. So that's, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to accidentally bushwhack and you're going to get lost and like dumb stuff's going to happen. Like that's the way life is. But if you can just be like a little more mindful about what you're doing, like you, yeah, you might get to rock climb more and have a more successful season overall. So yeah. Ooh, Caitlin, have you ever gotten super lost and just bushwhacked everywhere and hardly rock climbed? Oh my God, so many times, especially <laughs> because my other half really likes to epic through the the leaves in the forest. It's it's there's this obscure boulder that's hardly on a map, and it's only a two hour approach, and we're just gonna go find it. And there's no cairns, and we just have to kind of you know use our our noses to find the way. It's yep. like okay, well. yep, everything's great. I wanted to rock climb, but we're just walking around with mattresses on our back, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So try not to do that if you can avoid it. Cause that, I mean, it happens. Sometimes you're just going to get lost, but if you can avoid it in any way, that's a good, good way to operate. You have anything to add? Any thoughts there? I also think it's important to remember too, that depending on the time of year you're going, some of your climbs might also be uh, wet, wet, and of course, climbing when it's wet uh, has its own implications. So definitely uh, do some searches about that. It's, if it's seeping in the spring or something like that. Yeah, we don't want to break holds. Um, oh, yeah. 
and also degrade the landscape around it, but also mind the ethics of the area for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're, if you plan to go to a certain climb, like for example, where I climb a lot is in Roy, Roy and Roy here in New Mexico. And a lot of the climbs that I like to get on might be underwater in the middle of the summer. Oh my God. So like the landing, I mean, like you might be in a puddle. For example, there's one called puddle jumper. (laughs) So shallow water soloing. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. So anyway, it'd be good to ask friends, see if you find any tips online or, you know, suss it out before you put all your eggs into that basket of like, I'm going to take a big long trip and whoops, the climb I went for is not able to be climbed. Yep. That, that sucks. So, and it happens even with your best intentions, but, but if you just be a little detail oriented, little detail oriented goes a long way. All right. Sure does. I think we wrapped that one up. All right. What's your top consideration. <laughs> I hope you all heard that eye roll from here. So. <laughs> the last one, this is definitely the top one. If, and if, you know, all of them were important, maybe they were like a silver metal place, but this one's definitely gold hit or exceed your calorie targets every day, especially your training days, but also rest days and avoid energy deficits. Okay, I got a question already. Let's hear it. What if you, okay, because for some people, like counting calories is just like not a thing. Or if you like are just triggered by the idea of counting calories, how can you like generally tell that you have like hit your necessary caloric need? I think that is actually a really hard thing to know, especially because a lot of us athletes do not have appetites uh, when we're, well, it's actually a, research topic lately, the evidence really does show that uh, workouts and exercise in general can be an appetite suppressor. What? Yeah. That is annoying. Well, think about it. I mean, you know, you're working out and it's like, you're putting stress on your body. And if your oh. body is stressed and that your body's like, Oh, we're running from a lion. Got it. Yeah. Time's not, not time now. To Very clear. Some, okay. You know, we gotta bears. run. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but like, Oh, hang on one second. You're Let like, me just, oh, just smash this bag. Uh, or excuse me, lion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just hang on for chips. a second. <laughs> yeah. But it is really important to make sure that, that you are hitting hitting your your calorie targets for the day, um, just making sure that you are actually getting enough because, and it, it is so hard to say because everyone is really different, but yep. more likely than not, you need more than you think you do. Like, okay, this is like a, I feel like what I do is sometimes just like, I'll feel really good the next day if throughout the day I did a little bit of eating when I'm not super hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I know everyone's different, but I feel like I'm kind of seeing what you're saying. Yeah. Like I think hard to do. <laughs> the consistency is key. And even if you're not getting those hunger cues, I think it's really important to keep in mind that if you have your consistent regular meals, you generally know how much to eat. Mm-hmm. So if you, for example, if you ever do decide to track or you know roughly what's going to be satiating for you and and help you hit those energy needs, because you're trying to match your your energy to your energy output yep. or exceed it, if especially if you're going to 
have a more intense day and you don't really know exactly. So it's still better to be in that neutral place rather than in a deficit because we really don't want to lose those calories. But if you are really pushing those limits on some of the harder, more intense days, you might inevitably be in an energy deficit, even Mm -hmm. if you really try your hardest to eat more. So that's where the rest days come in. And that is a really good opportunity to either hit or exceed those calories because those rest days are part of that training and that you're able to really support that recovery and, and get those additional nutrients that you need. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And okay, this is, it might seem like, oh my gosh, this is so many snacks to bring. Like this is, seems like a lot, but I think we've all had a day where we go out to the crag and for whatever reason we've like under eaten or just like not like skipped, like whatever we did, somehow we are like starving and nauseous yep. and feel terrible. Like I've had days where I like make a big deal out of it, like make sure I can get to the crag, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just like under eating and I just get there and I'm like, I can climb one rock climb and I feel like I'm going to vomit because I didn't eat enough food and now I feel terrible. And that's like, that sucks. It's not like a good way to spend your time outside. Like, has that ever happened to you, Caitlin? Oh yeah. yeah. It, it actually still happens to me where I'll get back to our camp and be like, Oh God, I'm so exhausted. And then I look in my bag and I've eaten a bite of my sandwich, a snack and like maybe a quarter of my water. And I'm like, well, well, guess who did this to me? Yeah. Me me at me. You suck. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) but ultimately what I'd say to that, a really good way to counter that is bring like I said, at least one snack per hour, but bring snacks that you genuinely enjoy and will reach for. So like, yeah, if you bring one snack, you're going to be like, eh, it's not that important. But if you bring six and it's like your favorite gummies, your favorite crackers, you might have a cookie. Maybe you have your favorite fruit or whatever. You're going to remember that you have that and you're going to actually want to stop and take the time to fuel and you know, re re up on that energy. Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause I definitely have, you know, when like there's not that much food left in the fridge or blah, blah, blah. And then I'll kind of like make something random so that I just have something, which I'm sure is better than nothing, but it is, it's yeah. not better than nothing. If I go, I don't want to eat that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't eat it. And I'm like, yeah, yep. I definitely do that where I'm like, I packed food and I was like, that's not, we'll just don't eat it. It's very yeah. silly. Well, that so. happened to me last weekend. I, I made this like my favorite bread, shout out Dave's killer bread. And then I put some crunchy salted peanut butter on it with banana and some cinnamon. And for some reason against my better judgment, I listened to my husband about putting some jam. (laughs) Never listen to your husband. Never. (laughs) Mistake number one. (laughs) But he was like, Oh, let's put some blueberry jam on there. Um, And he had a good point. He's like, four additional calories. And I, I literally looked at it and like immediately was like, I'm not going to eat that, but I did it anyway. And (laughs) what happened? I did not eat it. So that's probably because it was a smushy, soggy mess. It was so smush. So it was just a disaster, but I, I would have liked it better had I kept it the OG way. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, at the end of the day, it worked out well because I still had a bunch of other snacks that I really, really loved. So moral of the story, bring more, not less. Yeah. 
Love it. All right, Lauren. Last one. Let's hear it. <laughs> Ooh, okay. This one I think is the most important, like the most important. And this tip is to set your expectations appropriately and plan time to build momentum. Oh. Yeah, because I don't think enough athletes expect that day one back out, day a few back outside are is going to be weird. Um, oh, yeah, so I'm not going to send my project day one. Like maybe if you're super <laughs> lucky, but like probably not. Mm. And uh, it's, I, yeah, wow, I could go on and on about this, but letting your like first few days outside, like determine, like, become this like mental block for you that you just like create this story in your mind that you didn't get better and that your whole season screwed up and that you should be climbing harder than this already and like all this stuff like if you come in with all these like expectations for your first few days out you are I would say setting yourself up to be upset and create you are setting yourself up to create a story in your mind that is not true that you are like going to have an unsuccessful season. And it's really easy to do to get really psyched and go out and be like, I'm ready. This is going to be awesome. And then like suck on your first few days and just think that that's, that it's all over, but it's not true. You just, your brain needs time to recalibrate outdoor climbing. Your body needs time to recalibrate outdoor climbing. Like your first few days might just feel like suck. And that's what it is. Plastic ain't rock, y'all. Plastic ain't rock. And this is going to be especially like the more and like, just think about it this way. If you have five years of experience on sandstone and you go back out to climbing sandstone, the transition is going to be faster than if you have like half a year experience on granite and the half of year was five years ago, you're going to come back to granite and be like, it's going to be worse. Like you're not going to immediately step back in. So the type of climbing that you're doing and the type of rock and all these things like the more recently you've done it and the more you have done it in the past, the easier the transition's going to be. But if you haven't done much of it, it's just going to feel weird. And it's not always about like the grades you're climbing, like it just takes different things. Like, yeah. So that's, that's my, that's my piece. So that's kind of the set your expectations appropriately. And then I guess I can talk about planning time to build momentum. But before I get into that, Kaylin, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I actually would like to hear about the momentum bit because I feel like I get really impatient Mm -hmm. and even though I might go in with the expectations like yeah you won't send right away and it might not be as good as you think I still kind of get it in my head like oh well eventually it'll be better and then it's like well yeah but when yeah and so this advice is really going to be like tempered by how much you actually get to climb outside but let's let's assume you get like five to six good weekends to climb outside in your climbing season. And kind of like, if you get more than that, awesome. If you don't rock on, do what you can. But you know, when it comes to building momentum, I think it's super smart to have like a couple climbs that you want to do that are maybe like, there's like your limit, like the hardest thing you've ever climbed, like a few things that are like below your limit that are still challenging for you. That will be like proud sends. Like maybe these are things you can do in one or two sessions. Something I actually do with my athletes in the gym is when we're getting ready for outside, I try to be like, have a route project or like have a boulder project that you can send in the gym because we want to build those like like sending is a skill believing you can send something is a skill staying in the zone so that you can send is a skill so if we can like kind of get into that in the gym and then set ourselves up for a couple of wins to like bolster our season outside before we go into like the gnar thing we want to do that's going to be major and and that doesn't always have to be like you know this could be on sites or something right like if you're trying to if you're planning on having more of an on site 
and quick project type season, but just set yourself up to have a few wins in the beginning as you're transitioning to like build that confidence. Um, because I've personally made this mistake where I kind of like skip that part, dive right into the project. And then I really think that if I wouldn't have done that, it would have gone better. So lesson I've personally learned, but give yourself some time to build momentum, both in, in the gym and outdoors. And I think you'll find that you'll remember how to send and give yourself the space to do a little bit better over the course of the season, honestly. Yeah, I think that I really like that one. It definitely, if we're talking about a list of priorities, that's number one (laughs) star star for me. (laughs) Um, But I, I definitely feel like not setting my expectations well and also like forgetting about the momentum time frame yeah. has kind of set up past seasons for disaster for me. Like I yeah. think I honestly plateaued my last like really big season in Waco when we were still living down there. I honestly think that's why I had such a kind of like not productive season and by that I mean it's not just because I didn't send the projects I went out for, it's just that I didn't really have any fun. Totally like sending something that's kind of hard for you, but not like totally wild is nice. It bolsters confidence, makes you feel like you got something done. And I would, I'm just big fan of doing that. It makes a lot of sense and it can help you not be. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can go for a whole season without like having any sort of remote form of success. A lot of great climbers do that. Um, We've all watched the Dawn Wall, I'm sure. But like, you know, a lot of people like, we're all human. We like to succeed sometimes. So setting yourself up to like build some confidence reps that way is a very smart idea and a good way to like get on more than just one thing if you're planning on like going in on a project. Yeah. I think Sweet. that's that's a great place to pop off unless you have anything else. No, I think I think that wraps us up for getting these folks all ready to go rip it outside this season. Yeah. I I think if if you're not ready now, well, you're, you should listen, rewind and yeah, listen again. And, <laughs> yep. So, and don't try to start training right now if you're trying to send in two weeks. Yeah. It doesn't work like nope, that. I'll it sure does not. it again. It doesn't hurt. Okay. Sorry. I don't want to rant on this. I know we're trying to wrap up the episode, but I've literally heard people like, oh, there's a pinch on my project. I'm going to like hit the pinch blocks for the next couple of weeks and then I'll send. And I'm like, oh my God, you knew there was a pinch on your project three months ago. <laughs> Why didn't you start training then? Because God. they hate it. Yep. Veggie. Uh, veggie style. Yep. So yeah, just be prepared. <laughs> That's from the Lion King. <laughs> well, I think we should stop now. End there <laughs> We're on gonna... the Disney note. Um, Sweet. Anyway. Okay. Yep. Quick thing. I want to shout out really fast right now when this episode is being released, we will be getting very close to the close of enrollment for Camp 512. So Camp 512 is an eight-week group program that I run to help 510 and 511 climbers get stoked and do a great job with their outdoor climbing season. So I'll talk a little bit more about it in the closing, but you should check out the show notes. Camp 512 is going to be sweet. There are limited spots left, and I'm so excited to get yeah, this program y'all, going Yeah, get again. in this program. It's yeah. pretty fucking yeah. awesome. And Caitlin doesn't even like routes, and she's saying it. So. Yeah, I... Mm, I have <laughs> We're working on it. Ropes. We're working on it. We're in a cultural but... exchange program here <laughs> where I'm like, rocks, routes, here's a stick clip, and Caitlin's like, here's your pad, and then it's good. Yeah, you get a little <laughs> bit of extra spice. You know, the flavor is here. We got a lot of variety for you. So with that, as always, super average, meeting you in the middle. Here we are. All right. I think that'll 
That'll close us out for today. It's been lovely helping y'all get ready to transition to outdoor climbing, and we hope you keep it average. Lauren here. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and that you feel ready to go get after it outside. Now I'll close us out with our production credits and some announcements. I'm excited to announce that Camp 512 is back and ready for action. This eight-week group program for sport climbers will help you get tactical, work on your mindset, and get you ready to crush it when you head outside this season. This program begins on April 4th, and there are just a few spots left. The application closes tomorrow, so tap the link in our show notes to apply. And if you're looking for one-on-one nutrition coaching, Caitlin has your back. You can book a free 15-minute clarity call with Caitlin by tapping the link in our show notes. The Average Climber Podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Coaching and Caitlin on her Instagram over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. This show is produced by Josh Haefeli with our favorite furry production assistant, Stubby the Corgi. The music for this episode was created by Devin Dabney of the American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you haven't already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com or at Plugtone Audio on Instagram to learn more about the other great shows on the network. See you next time, and until then, keep it average. Yeah.